Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money, a lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money, which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Let us talk about Georgia. Remember what the defeated former president said to the highest ranking election official, a Republican in this state? He said, quote, I just want to find 11,780 votes. Pray God. He didn't say that part. President Biden, President Biden yesterday in Georgia endorsing changing Senate rules to pass new voting rights legislation during a speech that he delivered in which he warned of a grave threat to American democracy if lawmakers did not act to, quote, protect the heart and soul of the country. The reference you just heard him make was pertaining to my next guest, the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, author of integrity counts. Mr. Secretary, thanks so much for being here. What did you make of the speech yesterday? Well, we disagree on policy with President Biden. The problem I have with H.R. 1, H.R. 4, it's actually going to undermine election integrity. He's talking about having same-day registration and doing away with photo ID. Photo ID is actually supported by 80% of all Americans, both political parties, and every single demographic group. It helps shore up and election integrity and also confidence in the election results. And so I think if you really want to do things that shore up voter confidence, you look for things where the vast majority agree on. Number one, a United States constitutional amendment that only American citizens vote in our elections. You're seeing that cities are now having non-citizens voting. You don't see that in any other parts of the world. We need to make sure that only American citizens vote in our elections. Number two, keep photo ID. We're going to keep it in Georgia. We have it now for absentee voting. One of the things that President Biden didn't say is we have photo ID for absentee voting, and they've had that now in Minnesota for over 10 years. That's a Democrat state. It's an objective measure. It's a solid measure. And I believe that we really need to ban ballot ballot harvest. I think we need to make sure it's a nationwide ban. The only person that should touch your ballot is you, the voter, and the election official when they receive your ballot. Yesterday, I read aloud from an Associated Press summary in anticipation of the president going to Georgia. I could have relied on any other media outlet because they all had pretty much the same narrative. But I'll I'll use the AP because of its wide circulation. Uh, Two things. Quote, laws have already passed in at least 19 states that make it more difficult to vote. Let me stop right there. Do you accept that as a characterization of what Georgia has done? Has Georgia made it more difficult to vote? No, it hasn't. 
We increased the number of days of early voting. We're now 17 mandatory days for all counties. It was not mandatory before to have 17 days. So we also allow any county that wants to have two days of Sunday voting to do so. That's 19 days. That's more than New York, New Jersey, and Delaware. We kept uh, no excuse absentee voting, which we've had in place since 2005. We kept automated voter registration when you go to the Department of Driver Services. It has then photo ID and it does a rigorous citizenship check, and that's a good thing. And now we've added additional measures, accountability, to keep lines shorter than one hour. Lines longer than one hour, the county needs to do something at the next election cycle to bust the precinct in half or add additional equipment to keep those lines short. And we finally have an accountability measure. And I heard that President Biden take a point with that. Fulton County has been messed up since 1993. That's nearly 30 years ago. You have to be able to have some accountability when a county can't run an election. Governor Scott in Florida replaced one county election director. Governor DeSantis replaced another for another county. And you never hear about those counties anymore that they got their act together. And voters want to see that their elections are run they start on time and finish on time and run well. So, Mr. S- Mr. Secretary, you think that Georgia's been maligned in this process. Is that fair? Well, that's absolutely we've been maligned. If you really looked at it, people didn't read the bill and they were already reserving Jim Co- Crow 2.0. Well, can I, may I, okay, so may I run yeah. through a couple of the component parts very quickly? Sure. I'm looking at the New York Times summary, and the reason I'm relying on the Times is because in their sub-headline, they say that what Georgia has done will limit ballot access, confuse voters, and give more power to Republican lawmakers. So, for example, they say voters will now have less time to request absentee ballots. Used to be nearly six months before an election. Now it's less than three. Is that true? The reason that that was changed is many times you don't know who's going to be on the ballot, but sometimes people were requesting it after about six months out, and then they would go ahead and do it again when you got closer to the election. So we set a a day that was more appropriate in line with what they do in many other states. We also then put a deadline to get your absentee ballot request in of 11 days, because before you could request it on the Friday before an election. The county would never receive your request, and they would never be able to process your request and send your ballot out. So with 11 days, you request your ballot, the county receives it, can process it, send you back your ballot, you can fill it out, and then you send it back in so we can make sure that you're actually enfranchised instead of disenfranchised. So here's the headline with regard to absentee ballots. There are, quote-unquote, strict new ID requirements for absentee ballots. When I read in on this, it seems to me that in the past, a voter simply signed for their absentee ballot. Now they have to provide a number from a driver's license or an equivalent state-issued ID. Do I have it right? You do, and that's what they've been doing in Minnesota for 10 years. So why aren't people suing Minnesota? Why are you coming down to a Republican state with the Biden's Justice Department? Go sue Minnesota and see how that works out, because Minnesota's been doing it for 10 years. We're asking for equal treatment under the law. How about this one? It is now illegal for election officials to mail out absentee ballot applications to all voters. They point out that you, the secretary of state, in the midst of the pandemic, mailed absentee ballot applications to every registered voter in the state ahead of the June primary. But no longer will that be permitted. I did that as an emergency measure because we're in the middle of a pandemic. The General Assembly just wanted to make sure that that was not done in non-emergency situations. 
And I think that's an appropriate response. Let the voter request his ballot. Then after the voter has requested his ballot, the county receives it, verifies their, who they are, their identity, then they'll send them the ballot. And that's right. the appropriate form. All right. How about this one? Drop boxes will still exist, but just barely. Well, what they don't, they, what they're failing to point out is that drop boxes were never in state law, and now they are officially in state law for the very first time. It was a state election board put in drop boxes as an emergency measure during COVID. Coming out of the COVID pandemic, the General Assembly said we'll have one drop box. We'll have one for every county because last year, 35 counties didn't have a single one, but we'll have one for every county, one for every 100,000 voters. So it's population based. The bigger counties have more drop boxes. They're inside and they're available for dropping off your ballot during working hours when there's early voting going on. Another of the knocks on the new George of law is that it's particularly difficult, more difficult, I'll say, for Fulton County, which includes most of Atlanta and consequently is a high concentration of Democratic voters. Uh, It's been made more difficult for those who live in Fulton County to vote. For example, mobile voting centers are essentially banned and Early voting is expanded in small counties, but probably not in the most populous ones like Fulton. So I guess my, my flat-out question for Brad Raffensberger is, has it been now made more difficult for people who are in Fulton County to vote? No, it's not. We actually increased early voting in Fulton County. has two Saturdays, and they'll keep their two Sundays of voting. So they have 19 days. That's one more than they had before. It's a secure, solid reform that we had. But number one, we need a constitutional amendment that only American citizens are voting in elections. We need to have photo ID because it has security, but also gives people confidence in the election results. And we banned ballot harvesting in Georgia, and that should be something that's done nationwide. Maybe nothing has received the level of attention with regard to the new Georgia law as the limitation on food or water for voters who are standing in line ready to cast a ballot. You know the issue. Please speak to that. We always had a no electioneering uh, rule, 150-foot uh, zone. People weren't allowed to come in there. What happened in one of the runoff elections is political parties, they had their T-shirts emblazoned, you know who they represented, were coming in giving people water. So what we've done is said, if you want to do any electioneering, it has to be 150 foot out, and you can get as much water, as much as you want, at 151 foot or out farther. But within that 150-foot zone, there's no electioneering. And that was the purpose of that bill. Brad Raffensberger is the Georgia Secretary of State. His new book is called Integrity Counts. Okay, Mr. Secretary, so far you've been defending all components of the new Georgia law. What about that component which has stripped your position as a voting member of the state election board, which most interpret as you know retribution or punishment specifically of you for standing up to Donald Trump? I've been clear that I don't support that portion. For one reason, it's not about me. It's about the office of Secretary of State. The Secretary of State has always chaired the state election board, and I'm held accountable to the voters. When you have an unappointed person running that very important board, when you ask, you don't like their decision, who do you hold accountable? There's 180 members in the General Assembly. There's 37 state senators. And so there'll be a lot of finger pointing, but no accountability. And that's why I think it's always good to have elected membership as the chair of these very important government boards 
commissions and authority. Related but but slightly different. How about the fact that the Republican-controlled legislature now has more control over the state election board? Do you similarly disagree with that? Well, the chair of the state election board will be chosen by the General Assembly in conjunction with the governor. And so based on where we are right now, that would be Republican in the future. Well, hopefully, as a Republican, I hope it is, but things change over time. But as I said, I don't support that, and I've been very clear on it. But I do support that there's accountability finally. When you have a county that can't get it done right, you finally can hold them accountable. And already you're seeing Fulton County getting serious about improvements. There's a bipartisan review panel that's going through the, the whole, their processes and will report back to the state election board. You disagree with the perception from afar that in Georgia it's just been made easier for the Republican-controlled legislature, at least at present, to overturn what a secretary of state may do vis-a-vis an election. No, the, the General Assembly still has no power to overturn the will of the people. That's been totally, uh, that's not true. Uh, all they can do is, after an election, look at the operations of a county. Was it real, well run? And when you have a county like Fulton County that has struggled, has failed since 1993, Go read the AJC. There's articles going all the way back to 1993. You finally have accountability. And now that they know there's accountability, all of a sudden they're standing up and taking notice, and they're working on improving their processes. It's a Democrat county. It's run by a Democrat county election board with a Democrat election administrator. So it's really about Democrats, you know, haven't been serving all voters, and particularly their own voters. When it I, doesn't make sense. When I go back to that AP story on which I relied for yesterday's broadcast, the one that said that in at least 19 states it's been made more difficult to vote, it also says, quote-unquote, Georgia is at the center of it all. Sounds to me like Brad Raffensberger believes Georgia doesn't deserve to be at the center of it all. Well, I think we've been at the center since 2018 when Stacey Abrams lost by 55,000 votes. These stolen election claims undermine voter confidence. She lost by 55,000 votes, fair and square. And she's made over $100 million with her nonprofits, and she's now running for governor again. 2020, we heard the other side of the coin, which is voter fraud. Neither one of them were supported by the facts. In 2020, I ran down every single allegation that was levied against the state of Georgia, against the counties. There weren't 10,000 dead people that voted. We found four. There were not thousands of felons. I found less than 74. There was no underage voting. They said there were 66,000, those type of allegations. And so it undermines voter confidence. And I do think that when you can short voter confidence, that's a good thing. And having photo ID for absentee balloting is perhaps the strongest measure that was put into SB 202, because that's something that's being used in red states and blue states. It's a nonpartisan bipartisan way, an objective measure of identifying absentee ballot voters. And finally, the president yesterday invoked reference to you. I played that audio. You would say what to President Joe Biden in response to his speech in Georgia yesterday? I would tell President Biden that he really needs to look at measures with the broad majority of people uh, support. One of them is photo ID. 80% of all Americans support photo ID. Why is that not in any legislation? A majority of Americans believe that only American citizens should vote. Why isn't that in your any kind of legislation that you have? And ban ballot harvesting. So if the only person that touches the ballot is the voter and the election official that receives it. And then we also have, this is in the weeds, but we have a 90-day blackout period when we cannot update our voter rolls prior to an election. 
The challenge with that is now with a mobile society, we have 11% of all Americans move every year. In 90 days in Georgia, that represents 200,000 Georgians that moved. Then you end up with a list that's very inaccurate and dirty very quickly. And if you want to help restore you know, the election operations for the counties, but also give voter confidence, let us object, uh, up, update those voter rolls objectively. And in fact, one of those bills would eliminate the ability for the state of Georgia and any state to be part of what's called ERIC, the Electronic Registration Information Center. It's a multi-state, 35 states are in it, where we share information. If you move to Texas and register there, we find out about it, and then we can begin to remove you from the voter rolls. That's an objective measure. That's solid legislation, and that's solid election management. This time I mean it when I say it's my final question. No doubt by virtue of your position as the Georgia Secretary of State, I'm sure you've looked over your shoulder and taken a look at Delaware. How many of the criticisms that you hear lodged at Georgia could similarly be offered with regard to the president's home state? Uh, We have more opportunities for voting in our state than you have in Delaware, you have in New York, and you have in New Jersey. So perhaps Biden's Justice Department should look at suing those three states instead of looking at Georgia. Mr. Mr. Secretary of State, congrats on the book. It's called Integrity Counts, and thank you for being here. Thank you, Michael. Take care. That is Brad Raffensperger, ladies and gentlemen. Perfect day to have had the Georgia Secretary of State responding to the President of the United States on his home turf yesterday. You heard him say that he doesn't like the characterization that Georgia is one of 19 states that quote-unquote, made it more difficult to vote, doesn't think that Georgia deserves to be the epicenter, defends the Georgia law, the 98-page Georgia law where I reviewed a half dozen or so of its critical components. He doesn't like the emasculation of the position of the Georgia Secretary of State, but notwithstanding that objection, he thinks the rest of the law is, is defensible. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.